nice. A lot of people talk, uh, even, even secular. I'm not saying even secular. Often I hear uh, the secular world wants to borrow or smuggle certain things from Christianity in um, to protect itself from, well, I'll give an example. Uh, often I hear the use of the word mystery. And it's uh, an attractive word to a lot of people. And I told you, uh, mentioned a story yesterday. I saw there was a, uh, a debate between uh, Douglas Wilson and Christopher Hitchens. Uh, well, obviously, Christopher Hitchens is one of the, the new atheists. Um, he died recently. But he, um, he sensed the, that Wilson was really touching a nerve on the lack of depth, sort of the flat earth that you talked mm-hmm. about. And Hitchens gave it prescribed to the audience uh, something they could do uh, to capture that mystery and i and he, he said you should take pictures uh, uh, look at pictures taken by the the hubble telescope and he thought this would replace uh, the, the the vacuum created by the loss of faith in your life mm-hmm. and i was kind of astounded he was very he was quite serious and i, I was trying to think about after we talked yesterday what he was getting at and i i think uh, when Hitchens was not just, he's looking for awe of some sort. What is the difference between mere, uh, the way he's using the word mystery is just an unknowing, and yeah. there's still something to explore and find out, versus yeah. a Christian sense of mystery? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, first, I, I, I want to emphasize that the positive in what I'm hearing in Hitchens, because there's a point of contact there, I think. Um, the interesting thing uh, from, from your story about Hitchens is um, that uh, he recognizes um, that his own strictly material understanding of reality at some, at some place, at some point, somewhere, falls short. Um, there is a sense in which he needs, uh, he, he's, he's looking for awe. There, there is in the midst of all of this DNA that he wants to analyze and look at and understand and comprehend, uh, there's nonetheless a sense of awe at it all that that reality evokes wonder. The material world around him, even though it's restricted to just matter, evokes evokes wonder in him. And it seems to me that that's a sign of an irrepressible spiritual desire that God has placed in everyone. that's a point of contact, I think. Now, what it also indicates, and that's a less positive thing, I think, is that um, when Hitchens expresses his sense of wonder, I can't help but think um, you're advocating that we're just experiencing a certain feeling of mystery, of wonder. What you're after is not the reality of it, but the feeling that it evokes in us. Yeah. Um, so there's a subjective imposition almost, or a subjective construction of meaning, which would have been alien, I think, to the uh, earlier pre-modern Christian worldview, and is alien, I think, to a genuinely Christian worldview, period. Um, because so f- what the Christian view is after is not just an evoking of a sense of wonder, but the Christian is after mystery itself. And there is a there is a concrete, a concrete is maybe not the right term, but there is a particular... Um, understanding of that mystery, and that is God as he has revealed himself in Jesus Christ. So when St. Paul talks about mystery in in the New Testament, 
it is God as he has revealed himself in Christ. Now that's a, that has infinite depths, and therefore it's true that we can't comprehend it and that it evokes a sense of awe and wonder in us. It sure does that. Um, but the reason it evokes this sense of wonder is that in God, whom we know in Christ, um, we have found infinite depths of love. It's that, I think, which Hitchens is still missing when he's simply looking through the Hubble telescope or whatever at the universe and he's saying, oh, wow, isn't that, isn't that amazing? Yeah. So the depth and so the mystery is, is, uh, uh, is found in love. Mystery is found in love. Uh, mystery is found in God himself, and God is, is, is love. So for St. Gregory of Nyssa, for example, um, there's an infinite progress uh, into the life of God, whom uh, whom, Nyssa, whom Nyssa understands as as God as He has revealed Himself in Christ. So when in the life of Moses, uh, Moses uh, goes up the mountain and enters into the inner sanctuary, the aduton in Greek, the inner sanctuary. Um, Nyssa defines that as Jesus Christ. Yeah. And and for Nyssa, Moses can go on endlessly. Uh, the Greek term for that is epiktasis. So he has an understanding of ascent, of contemplation, as, as being an infinite entry into the love of God in Jesus Christ. Now it seems to me there's only the Christian faith that does that, <laughs> that we endlessly enter into love, that, that love is the mystery at the heart of being because God has revealed himself by giving himself on the cross in Jesus Christ. There is just nothing else that does this. Yeah. The, yesterday you mentioned, when you, you brought up uh, Gregory and Nyssa yesterday, and you made the point um, that because we are made in God's image, we're ultimately a mystery unto ourselves. Yeah. Could you say a little bit more about that? Yes. Um, the reason this comes up is that um, Gregory, in debate with a neo-Aryan theologian uh, by the name of Eunomius, had a discussion about the essence of God. And Eunomius said, well, uh, the essence of God is to be unbegotten. And the only one who's unbegotten is God the Father. That's the essence of God. And therefore, the Son is not true God is not the essence of God, because the Son is not unbegotten, only the Father is unbegotten. And what Gregory of Nyssa replied is to say, you have a huge claim here, your claim is just, just preposterous, because you're claiming to know the essence of God. You're claiming to know that God equals unbegotten. You've given a definition of God, you've, you've, you've comprehended God, at least so you think. And then he adds to that comment, um, those who think they know God, between brackets, that is Eunomius, for example, should maybe reflect on themselves, because they don't even know themselves if they're honest. Nobody knows himself if he's honest with himself, um, because there are depths of meaning in every one of us um, that, we, that we're not quite aware of, of ourselves. And, not, and, and for Gregory, it's not only true that we don't quite know ourselves, Whatever God has created is in some sense, remains in some sense incomprehensible to us. There are depths of meaning, and I call them sacramental depths. There are depths of meaning in everything that God has made um, that, that we, 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 we sense at, we, we, we get an impression of, but that remains elusive to us. And the reason is that the infinite God has 
looked at it and by looking at it has called it into existence. And, and when God looks or speaks or whatever metaphor you want to use something into existence, that means it shines with God's glory. And that glory is, isn't comprehensible by, by, by analysis. Yeah, and that's that's it, it seems to get to the the danger of how theology potentially can corrupt mystery. Yes, um, and I it's, it's tough to avoid because we find it interesting and we want to yeah. put it in our pockets and pull it out Absolutely. when we want it. And 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 there's a positive thing about that even because the intellect is itself is not at all a bad thing. It's God's good gift. Reason is God's good gift. It's just that um, our, our rational faculties are limited. Um, we can access things around us um, that we access with the senses, and we can, um, we can put our mind to work on it, as it were. We can abstract concepts from those sensible realities. Um, but our, our, our rational mind isn't, isn't equipped to abstract rationally from those things. The, the, the heart of who God is himself.